Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, and the biggest challenges during the first three phases of their journey in software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsourced CTO because we've got 20 years of development entrepreneur business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service, software startups, you can contact us at onestop.io so we can spec out your project today. Today, I have Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual. Chris is a fellow podcaster, author, keynote speaker, investor, and ink columnist. Chris is going to take us back down memory lane on how he made it from zero to 30 on his way to his big break in software. We'll also touch on his specialty, which is systems and processes. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. All right. So let's get started. First, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, what your product is, and what problem you're solving for your customer? Sure. So the company's called Trainual. It's like a training manual or really like the playbook for your business. So if you think about the how-tos of a company, all the ways that they operate, their operating procedures, you can put your policies, your processes, your best practices all into our system and train your new hires, make sure your existing team is all on the same page, and then access it from anywhere on iOS and Android and the web. So it just it's, it's like the, the playbook for your business. So okay, I've great. been an entrepreneur... Go ahead. That's Sorry. great. So it sounds like it's basically like a, almost like a, a recipe book for your SOPs and anything else that you have for your, <laughs> yeah. is that right? You got okay. it. Okay, got perfect. It. So who would you say is your, um, your primary client? Our sweet spot is five to 500 people within an organization. Could be contractors, could be employees, could be volunteers. Um, but we focus on businesses that are at least big enough where they've got some division of roles and they need to train and make sure you're doing it right. Uh, and then, you know, up until you start to get into these enterprise all-in-one conglomerate sort of tools. Okay, great. So why don't we go back um, to your entrepreneurial journey? I know that you uh, did a little bit of research and you, you were saying you started at like 14 years old. We don't need to go, go quite back that far unless you, <laughs> unless you want to, but I understand that you had a, uh, a video production company and you sold that. Um, sounds like sort of recently, is that right? Around 2014 or something? 2013. Yeah. So I grew okay. up with that business. That was the company I started as a kid. That's your and that's baby, really what, eh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That taught me all about SOPs. Okay. So let's, let's start off with that then. It sounds appropriate. Tell, tell us how you uh, got into SOPs and, and how that made, sounds like it made that business really successful. Why don't you describe to me about uh, how you got into that and, and then let's like uh, go through the sale and stuff like that. 
Yeah, sure. So what I love about the zero to 30 journey is that part is just such a grind where you're experimenting and trying to figure out what works. And it seems yeah. like if you can get to 30, you can get far beyond 30. And so that's for what me, I'm thinking for, too, right? Just yeah, because so, you get there and, and you're, 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 you're kind of there. Yeah. So, so for my video business, it was, you know, at first it was just me in high school doing events, recording events, and then selling copies to the parents and coaches and scouts. And as the company grew, we started doing state level championships and regional championships. And when I went to college, I couldn't go to all the events. So I started having to hire people on Craigslist or wherever else to show up and record the event and follow the processes, ship back the footage so I can archive them and ship the videos out. And so that's where the checklists and procedures started to develop. Uh. Okay. And so by the time I sold the company, we had built this network of about 300 camera operators doing events in all 50 states in the US. And uh, it, you know, it was a, a much bigger operation, but it was, it was all about process. Okay, so, so in, this, in this sale, what were the actual assets of the company? It sounds like, it sounds like the SOPs were almost really the, the assets. Um, what were the other assets you were actually selling, aside from uh, you know, your black book of contacts? <laughs> yeah, there were kind of three things. There was our our contacts and contracts, which we ended up selling to a competitor. There was our equipment, which video equipment was changing so quickly that we just kind of sold it all off, liquidated okay. it because people want the newest thing. And then there was the the software we had built to run the company, which we ended up selling to our biggest customer, which was US Figure Skating. So we had this tool we built that we could upload all the footage to and parents could watch the first 30 seconds of a performance and then they could purchase it like iTunes or something, it would send them a link to download the full version. And so U.S. Figure Skating took that over so they could offer that in-house. Okay, so it sounds like you really didn't sell the company. You broke it, you broke it up and you sold the assets. It was right. Like yeah, it was an asset okay. sale. Okay, okay. So um, what's the, what was the breakdown then um, of, of, of the uh, three different uh, parts of the sale? So in terms of dollars? Yeah, just, I mean, you can even be, I, I know the overall sale was 3 million. What do you have like sort of like 30% for the, the hardware and, and, and what was the most value? What were the parts that were the most valuable? The most valuable part was this, the software piece to U.S. figure skating. So it was a, a royalty kind of thing that we worked out. And really, it, for me, it was it was less about like a one-time hit of, of having a big exit. It was more about a replacement of my own salary for a few years while I figured out to do, how to do what was next. And I think a lot of people that build businesses that um, they are very involved in experience that where, you know, it's it's... Like you're going to get a multiple more so on your salary or the profit of the business rather than a multiple on MRR or something like that in a software company. So for me, that sale was just about how do I make the best of transitioning out of this company, liquidate our assets, sell our contracts, and then move into something else, which at that time was a consulting firm that I started. Okay. So you started the consulting there. What was the reason that you wanted to, uh, to, to, to get to move on? Was it... Uh... You just kind of got to the end of it or what was it? What yeah, was it? it was, it was two things really. It was the technology, like I said, was changing really quickly. When we started, it was over the shoulder cameras that we had yeah. set up in the bleachers and, and video was a pretty, uh, pretty hard thing to do. And by the time I sold the business, everyone had an iPhone and was uh, shooting in okay, HD. Yeah. So you, you saw sort of the writing on the wall and, 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 and yeah. sort of decline. 
Um, yeah. And the other thing was, was we, because we were doing events around the country, we had this overhead of shipping equipment and, and, you know, full-time salaries and fulfillment center and things that a small operator didn't have locally. So the vision I had for the company was that there would be a system that all the local videographers would sign into a platform that they would use. And it just, it was kind of the, the, uh, an idea ahead of its time. And, and so when that wasn't sticking, I decided to move on. Okay. And so you got into consulting. How long did you do that before you started uh, Trainual? So consulting I had for f just about five years, but Trainual was started from within my consulting firm. It was just only for my clients. So it was kind okay. of a prototype in the consulting firm. Okay. So, so talk me through the, uh, um, how you came up with the, it sounds like the idea was just there. And how did you know that people were, your clients were starting to take interest in it? Is that what it was? And they were like, Hey, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to get for you to kind of expand on this or add this feature. Is that how you came across it then? Yeah, it was, I looked at what I had done with my video company and, you know, we had a password protected website, a WordPress site. We had all of these, uh, you know, quizzes we would have people do with form systems. We had a CRM to manage all the contacts that had been, you know, tagged that they were trained and approved. Then we had scripts and checklists we would send out, but it was scattered across everywhere. And so when I started consulting, I worked with all different companies, retail and event businesses and professional services and agencies. And I wanted to templatize and create systems for them. And as I was doing that, it was just kind of Google Docs and Dropbox folders and yeah, PDFs. Yeah, kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so at the time, like, you know, small businesses don't buy the six-figure enterprise HR tools that are out there. And so they end up using word processors to try to pull this stuff off. And, and unless they're technical enough to build their own intranet or wiki or something like that. Yeah. And so I wanted something in between and that's where the idea came from. So it started actually in, in a uh, very end of 2014, early 2015. Okay. So 2015. So, um, the MVP was something that you, there was, was there really an MVP or is it just you rolling out your internal, uh, your internal, so you already sort of had it and you're like, okay, well, why don't I just start building user accounts for this? Is it a WordPress plugin? Is that what it no, is? No, no, it's a, it's, it's a standalone product. So uh, there was an MVP and it was a few students at the local university that I worked with to put up a little system and then I hired a contract developer when those students graduated. And again, okay. it was just this thing that was patched together for my, my own clients. And so I was charging for the consulting work, not the product. And then okay. this product was just something I would use as, or as a handoff. Okay. Okay. So how much was the MVP then? Do you remember? Um, all in, it was like $15,000. So pretty okay. cheap. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and did you, did you have any sort of, um, did you have any kind of validation from customers that you would immediately uh, start getting paid from this? Or was the idea that, that you would start, you would roll this out and kind of supplement your, this with the consulting, like your keep your consulting to sort of float the uh, first yeah, few months. That, how, how did, how did that, that was work the idea. Out? 
you know, the, the, at, when I first launched it in 2015, I'd only worked with 35 clients or something at the time. And so I put this email together and I thought I'm going to, I'm going to announce this and everyone's going to buy it. And yeah. I had like three people buy it. And so when I when, when three people said, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. I realized, let me just package this with my consulting offering. And so for three years, that's all I did. And it got a, a few dozen people on the tool. Um, but, but a few of them were paying for the tool. They were paying for the consulting work. So I didn't pay much attention to the income, but then a couple years into it, I started seeing the results of the companies that were using this. They were scaling more, they were hiring more, they kind of went hand in hand. And so um, it was in 2017 that I thought, well, I've got this consulting business and it was a, a seven figure consulting business, five employees, like we were doing, uh, you know, it was great lifestyle business. Yeah. But when I looked at this product, I thought, wow, that's the thing that could scale. So we, we ended up pivoting entirely and went from a, a seven figure consulting business like, you know, two hundred thousand dollars in billing in December two thousand seventeen to mm -hmm. four thousand dollars in January of two thousand eighteen. All wow. in on top. Nice. I like it. I like so so four four thousand MRR is what you started with, and this is uh, two thousand seventeen. Um, and what was was there anything that you were thinking at that time that you or you just saw like you know I, what was the what was the pivotal moment there where you said I'm going to stop this. Uh, and I'm going to go to the SaaS right now because that's a big jump, yes. right? You know, or a big drop, it, really. It is big. It it happened over a couple months. So the first step was we, you know, we were profitable as a company and we were break even at about 70% capacity. And so when we had one client project finish and that capacity freed up, I thought, let's use that to rebuild and rethink this tool. And so okay. we, we took ourselves on as our own client. And then through that, I got more and more excited about the product that we were building. And at that same time, I was looking for ways to get myself out of the consulting work I was doing. So I found a consultant in Austin, Texas, and one yeah. in Lake Tahoe that wanted to do the process. And I ended up writing all the instructions out in Trainual and assigning them this thing. And so they're going through and learning how to do the consulting with Trainual. And it was during that time that I realized like, man, maybe this, maybe this product is the thing. What if I could just take the, the time I'm, I'm billing as a consultant and mm -hmm. spin that into marketing and, and just, you know, put, put value out there and then let people buy this cheap product. It would be accessible to so many more people. Instead of working with 10 companies, I could yeah. work with thousands like hundreds of or Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, what at this point, um, who do you have a technical co-founder yet? He was, so we have a lead developer that was an employee of my consulting firm because okay. part of what we were doing was attaching APIs and automating workflows for people. So, uh, so he, my employees from the consulting firm came into, uh, to Trainual from the beginning. Okay. So he's an employee. Is he still with you then? Is he like the CTO or, or? Or what he is our our senior engineer lead engineer right now okay so uh, and so the agency was sort of funding his development work so you kept uh, you retained full equity or did or did you uh, ever do uh, a raise or anything like that 
I, so at the very beginning, it was me and then my brother is our CMO. He moved to Arizona where we are and worked yeah. without a salary for a year to vest into some equity. Okay. And so it was, it was the two of us from the beginning. Then we did an employee stock option program uh, before we raised anything. So we wanted everyone to have a you know, piece of the pie. Um, we bootstrapped it for the first year and then okay. did a, con so I could, how much detail should I go into? Well, I mean, so I'd like, I'd like some detail so that we, we could get to the, the point of the MVP, I guess. So we're at 4,000 MRR. What is the status right now? What's the status of the company uh, in terms of equity breakdown? At that time, it was 100% me at, okay. four, at the beginning. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's go to the second phase because this is what I, I call the zero to 5,000 is the first phase. Uh, 5,000 to 15 is sort of the second phase and you're still bootstrapping. Sure. Tell me about the challenges that, that, that you found along that way and how you, how you reached uh, and cleared that second hurdle. So five to 15, we, we hit 5,000 in month two in February of 2018. Um, it took us until I think July to hit 15,000. So, okay, seven so you're, you're rolling. This is a, this is a good product. People like it. Um, I mean, what was, what was the channels that you're using or where were you finding? Because that's, that's really impressive growth for, so, you know, for something that you bootstrapped and, um, and you got going. Where was it, where was it, what was the uh, successful ch uh, marketing channel? Yeah, so at the beginning, the first month, like I said, was just a handful of clients that I had. It was every, uh, you know, everyone I knew locally in town. We had a big kickoff party. I invited a mm -hmm. uh, hundred people to this kickoff party. We had a photographer. We were just showing it off, and and that night got several sales. And then February, we launched on Product Hunt. If you've heard of that, it was yeah, of a, it's a it's a website to showcase kind of beta products. Mm -hmm. um, we started an affiliate program, so we use a, an affiliate tool that we were signing up people that wanted to get a link and. and and earn a commission on the sales. So we got some, some traction there. And then March is where we started digital advertising. So the first thing we did was we went on Facebook and created interest-based audiences that were people that liked conferences and organizations and books and things that were in this small business entrepreneur wheelhouse. And my brother and I recorded some real simple Facebook ads of me in the office talking about the problem. And the problem okay. is if you're, you know, if you're feeling stuck in the business and you want to get out of the day to day, could someone else run your business? And that's where the solution is right, write down how you do what you do, give someone else the instructions and have some accountability to know that they've gone through it and they understand it. And so we were setting up this problem really simply through, through Facebook and Instagram ads. And that was how we went from, you know, the, 5,000 to 15 by the summer. But that, that was the pivotal moment for us. It was, you know, it took until June to hit 10,000. July was 17,000. August was 30,000. And we just kept rolling from there. Okay. And so when did the Facebook, so it sounds like the Facebook ads is really pivotal, pivotal for you. Eh? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So because I had totally like, it saturated my own network. You know, I emailed 3000 yeah, yeah. people, people that sick. I like, okay, <laughs> we, we got it. You know, you don't Ron's you, you can cool it with the, uh, you know, hitting this yeah, the totally. hard sell. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so break down the, the Facebook funnel. It's I'm, I'm sure it was much more than creating videos. What was the, what was the actual Facebook funnel that, that was, that you found successful and what sort of time, this is, sorry, again, this is late 2017 or are we in 2018? This is spring 2018. Okay. So, 
Yeah. So the, the, the funnel was really simple. Honestly, we had built our own WordPress website. Um, we were sending all the traffic to our homepage. There was a 14 day trial and a button to sign up that had a credit card. And so the, the basic breakdown of the, the funnel was we'd show them a, a Facebook ad that was almost always a video. Um, we had a retargeting campaign separately. So yeah. if they'd watched the video or been to the website, they saw the retargeting ads. But the video was the main driver. And it, we had a couple versions. One was me walking down the street with my brother saying... Um, Is it like you know, super like it, informal too? Is it Totally. Like just, yeah, iPhone. Okay. iPhone okay. videos. Okay. Yeah, nice. one, and, and so one was me saying, you know, uh, if you ever wanted a clone, like your best performer, this is my brother. I always like got him to take personality tests because I always wanted to hire people like him. But the real way to clone your best performers is to train them on the, yeah. the best practices. So that was okay. one ad. We had another ad that was talking about, you know, if you've ever read the book, The E-Myth, it was talking yeah, about how to build the, the prototype yeah. of your business. And, and yeah. so we had one of those ads. And, and we just, and there was one more of me like sitting in, in our office talking about getting out of the day to day. And so we had those ads running. We put $100 a day into the ads. So, you know, pretty minimal budget. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, I got a tip from a friend that you want to spend at least 100 bucks a day to, to get any sort of traction. Okay. Um, and, uh, and we would just get click-throughs to the website. And so if everyone that visited the website, we were seeing, you know, 5% uh, or so of them sign up for a trial. And of the people that signed up for a trial, if they went through the 14-day trial period, um, there, they had to put a card in at the beginning because we okay. didn't have the bandwidth to to try to convert all these tire kickers. So they yeah. had to put a credit card in, and then they had 14 days where they could cancel. And if they didn't, it just started billing on the 14th day. And yeah. and so we would have about 60% of people through that process convert into paying customers. And so the funnel worked out such that uh, we were paying back our cost of acquisition in about two months which was kind of what you could float on a credit card. And so, okay. so, so much of our acquisition in that first year was just me maxing out every credit card I had yeah, yeah. to acquire customers and build that, that baseline MRR. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's a good story. Um, how long did, I mean, cause I, I've tried to dial in Facebook funnels and there's always a, a, a learning curve that's kind of where you kind of coming in and, uh, how close did you did you get to figuring it? It sounds like you almost figured it out r right away. Like um, you're like, okay, this video comes to the uh, the landing page, uh, the the um, conversion into in this five percent you said, and then and then of those converted people, sixty percent, which sounds really good. Um, is is it because you think uh, that the the product was really easy to use, or what do you what do you attribute to, uh, your success there with that? high rate of onboarding. Yeah, I think I think the 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 marketing messaging was so organic. It was just like I said, it was amateur iPhone kind of video. Yeah. So it felt really approachable. We were not talking in fancy terms. So it was easy to catch people in that conversation. The yeah. website was was simple. We yeah. uh, we put a lot of attention into the copy on the website, and yeah. then you know the the product was also really simple and easy, and, and the price point was low. You know, at the time it was uh, forty nine dollars as well. Okay. So so we had people signing up, and and um, you know you're willing to to gamble forty nine dollars and try something out for a couple. Yeah. Of 
Was there was there a certain level of um, education that came with it as well? Because um, you know, like the importance of SO, SOPs, and did you have a lot of instruction once they were inside the app, like videos and things like that? We had more content around what to produce in the app. So it, it, we couldn't educate people that they needed the product because that would be that would take way too long. So we were really pinpoint focusing on the people that knew they needed this product because I, I was the customer. You know, I yeah. went to all the conferences, read yeah. all the books and was part of all the events. So I was just speaking that language and saying, you know, if you felt like this, if you've had to let someone go and step back into their role and you don't even remember how to do it because you haven't done it for two years, like that, that's a pain point people can identify with. And so you get it and you're like, yeah, I've, that's happened to me too. And so that's how we were catching people. And then it was, look, here's the obvious thing. It's a centralized tool. It's a cheap subscription, put it all in there. And so most of our educational content was here's 150 different processes that you should document for your business. And let's shoot a video about each one and, and walk you through what's, what's an onboarding process look like? What's your hiring process look like? What's a good sales process? And so we were helping people create that content. Okay, great. So after you got um, uh, to thirty thousand, it sound, was has it been pretty smooth sailing since then, or wh where are you at now for uh, MRR? We're um, just a, a, almost a five million ARR, so around four hundred k MRR. Okay, so you've seen like sort of nice hockey stick growth then, right? So, so what was it's what been was pretty the, pretty linear for for two years. It was pretty linear. And then, so what's, um, and it was all Facebook ads. How long did you run those same original, uh, you know, you and your brother walking down the street ads? How long did that work? They worked for like eight weeks and then they would get stale. And so, okay. but the things that we, the things that we kept changing are, um, you know, first it was interest-based audiences. And then as our signup started to get more and more, we would pixel the page after someone signed up for a trial and make a lookalike based on those people. And then once we had enough people converting into paying customers, we pixeled the paying customers. And then once we had enough people that were really active, engaged users, we would just pixel the people that were most active and we would uh, also pixel anybody that canceled and remove them from the, the audience. So we were just widening and widening this audience of like the perfect customer. And so we would run an ad for six or eight weeks. And then as the acquisition costs would start to get higher and the frequency would start to increase, we'd take that ad down, we'd put up some new creative and then often we'd recycle ads that hadn't gone for six weeks six months and then uh, we bring them back because it's really a new audience at that time yeah, yeah. based on the on the pixel yeah. so so our, our process has been iterative with coming up with a few types of creative ideas every quarter and then recycling old ideas okay so what's your background is is your i mean where's all this, this it sounds like you've got a lot of strong copywriting skills and things like that what's your background I, we went through it, video production. You're like a guy with like a man of many hats. So you're, you're really get, just getting your hands dirty, very interested. Um, uh, and just, I mean, like, where, so where did you come up with the copy ideas? Because it sounds like it's very, it sounds like that was very successful for you. 
Um, did you see, did you have any influences or uh, where'd you oh, come yeah, up with? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Well, first, so much of this was, was my brother and collaborating with my brother. Okay. So he's the he, CMO, he, right? Is that right? Yeah, he's our CMO. Yeah. He, he's, uh, you know, three and a half years younger than me. And so with the video business, um, he was like one of our production managers and we'd go out in the field and worked for that company. And then when I, uh, sold the, the, you know, the asset sale of that business and moved on to consulting, he got into adventure travel and started blogging and kind of was, did the influencer thing. And then he, he had a stint with an ad agency in Boston. So he was more the marketing guy. Okay. And then the collaboration with the two of us was, I, you know, I had been knee deep in small business yeah. entrepreneurship for 20 years and he had this really authentic marketing skill that you know it just would put a camera on and on up for anything and yeah. that that marriage was i think really important to how we launched this so um, along the same time that we launched it we both went to this conference um, this group called warrior in california that mm -hmm. put on this marketing conference that was like warrior wealth or something and that yeah. was the first time i had ever seen a funnel start to finish and really understood this process and so we're taking notes feverishly and it was yeah. kind of out of that that we just started like let's shoot videos let's 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 stand up this funnel um but it was it's a, a learning process like this didn't this this you know came over a lot of yeah. trial and error. So yeah, yeah. the other thing I would say though is is like the copy a lot of times comes from the the customers. I remember I was speaking fall 2017, I was speaking in front of an entrepreneurship group in Denver, Colorado. I had sponsored this group and I was telling them about this idea and I'm like, what's the problem? Like what do you wish you could do? And someone said in that group, I just want to get like I want to get all my business stuff out of my brain. I was like, yeah. that's it. Perfect. Get yeah. your business out of your brain. That yeah. became our, our tagline. And yeah. so I was pulling a lot of these slogans from people. And now we do the same thing. We read comments on Twitter. We read reviews on, uh -huh. uh, on G2 and Captera. And we see the language people are using. And then that's the language that, that okay. ends up. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, how about, uh, are there any milestones that, that you're, um, that, that you remember as being uh, particularly challenged, challenging, and how did you get through those times? Like, give me, oh, tell, tell me yeah. a story of something that's happened since, you know, it sounds like it's all glory, and I'm sure, you know, it's a happy days, but I'm sure it wasn't. Tell me about some, you know, maybe those times where the, you know, someone was, um, you know, you were overextended on your credit or whatever was going on. Yeah, well, I mentioned funding a lot of this with credit cards. So that worked for the first uh, 10 months. And then October 2018, we're at 43,000 MRR. And I was playing this kind of shell game with when my pay when my cards were due and you know, do we bring in enough in sales to pay the, the next credit card and this statement's going to be 12 days from now. Yeah. And I had an a Amex card that I applied for that they say it's a charge card, no limit, you pay as long as you pay it off. And I'm like, perfect, that's my next move. Yeah. So I, I, I got the Amex card going. And uh, I, early October, uh, it shuts off. They say, yep, yeah, there actually is a limit and you've hit it and you, you can't buy ads anymore. And so we had to go for two months in uh, October with no, no ad spend. And I was freaking out because my personal cards were all maxed. My yeah. wife is like, you know, calling me from the grocery store because all of her cards aren't going through for our groceries. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was a super stressful time for me. Um, so 
so I mean that that was that was where we really needed to pivot. I started calling all my friends to see who I could borrow money from, and and fortunately by that time we had built this base of MRR that you can really peg a valuation to in a yeah. in a company. Okay. So we were able to raise money at, at pretty decent terms in a convertible note, um, but but it was getting to that point was a grind. And then I would say you know through just through the early days, like even even though it seems like the progress was fast from, from, you know, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, um, the, the expenses were, were, it was like, we were just bleeding so well, much every just, month. Were you breaking? It sounds like you were essentially break even until you got to that, uh, that point where you, you were able to get a l- little raise and some breathing room. Is that right? It's sort of running at break even. No, I had, I, no, I had a a five employees. So I had a payroll and and rent and like all the overhead from my consulting firm. So we were upside down burning like whatever, 30, 30 K a month. And, uh, and so that was hard personally because the, you know, I didn't have anything to fall back on other than like equity, you know, the uh, tapping into our, our, the equity in our house. And, uh, and that would have, would have been the next step if I didn't get the, the convertible note. Nice. So, and where are you at now? Is um, how how is uh, how is um, um, your structure now? Are you happy with it? And what's your uh, what are your margins running at? Well, so we raised our first round of institutional, like VC capital, Series A in the fall, and yeah. we brought in six point seven five million. And uh, the 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 great thing about that, though, is by that time we had built this business to where our all of our operational costs were covered by our monthly recurring revenue. And so the only money we would burn through was the extra marketing spend that we were using to grow so much every month. And right. so we had the flexibility where we could turn down growth and make it a profitable business at any time. But growth is really what, what VCs like to see. So when we brought in that fundraising in, in the fall, it was really just growth funding. So now we're, we're burning through cash, but um, we're doing it to keep growing. Right. Okay. That's good. Um, what about, um, uh, are you happy that you, you're, it sounds like you're happy you went that way. You didn't, you didn't want to stay bootstrapped. You're, you're glad that you're, you're on this route. What, what are the plans for the future? Like what, um, is it just like, what is your advisory board recommending that you do? Is there any, also, go ahead. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we're, our plans are to, to make it so every business can have a, a operations manual. Every business has a playbook. And so we want to make it so accessible and automatic that you don't have an excuse to not create one because it's just that easy. So we, we're really trying to create this, this category and it's in between. It's a hybrid of like the, the training, learning softwares, the wikis and knowledge bases, and then the collaborative documents. But it's a really intentional niche that we're carving out around this this operation playbook um so so that's what we're focusing on the reason we went the the vc path is um you you need cash to to break to you, get you know, to that to, point yeah yeah and and so we've got customers in 130 countries now um thousands of customers and i feel like we could have gotten there you know as a as a lifestyle business it just might have been a lot slower and you could run the risk of other competitors starting to move faster. Okay. All right. Excellent. And uh, how's it been uh, recently with the uh, self-quarantine? How's, how's your business? Have you noticed a pickup or a downtick? 
we've got a huge pickup in traffic. So there is, there is a scramble to figure out policies and processes and how to work from home. And so we, we shifted our strategy um, to be less conversion focused and more traffic focused because what we're seeing is we want to get people using the tool or get people downloading our templates and get them into our world because then as their businesses are starting to grow and they're, they're needing more training in the, in, in the future, we'll have this bigger audience to, to market to of, of leads. So we shifted a little bit from, from so heavily conversion focused to more traffic focused. Um, but we've had, yeah, like three times the, the traffic to our site since, since all this happened. And, and so now it's just, you know, we're, we're sifting out the companies that really need this from the companies that were much more aspirational in uh, the, the need to have versus the nice to have. And smaller companies, you know, that, that want to do this and when, when cash is, is abundant, mm-hmm. they might subscribe and put it off for a few months but not get around to doing it. Those are the cancellations. Whereas the companies that sign up today that really need it and that are trying to stitch together processes for their teams, those are great customers. So we're seeing them get more um, engaged faster than ever. And what is, what's the breakdown of your traffic? What, what um, has been, what are some of the most successful channels now for you? Um, Are you focusing on like SEO or is it still heavily on paid traffic? Um, How's your traffic breakdown? We've diversified a lot since the the early Facebook, Instagram. So, I mean, we started doing uh, a lot more paid, but across other channels, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, YouTube, AdWords. Um, we we work with the review sites, Captera, G2. You, um, you know, those are those are lower funnel kind of people that are looking for a solution. Yeah. Um, and then we started working with influencers. Um, you know, uh, that are putting out content, blog posts, directories. Um, you know, LinkedIn influencers, YouTube influencers. Um, we started sponsoring podcasts. Uh, we brought on a full-time PR person, a full-time video person. You mentioned in the intro, we've got a podcast. So, so a lot more of this has become uh, content production uh, okay. because we, we do, we want to be the, the resource, the place where people go, whether they're just starting to think about their first couple hires and, and onboarding those people, um, or they're ready to create that full-fledged playbook. Okay, great. So, and is your brother still managing um, this as a CMO or you have an agency uh, or do you sort of, you outsource any of it? No, we do it all in-house. So he's the CMO. We've got a director of marketing. I mentioned a PR manager in-house, yeah. a video producer, a copywriter. So we're, we've kind of built an in-house agency. And how many, how many people are you up to now? 33. 33. Okay, good. And it sounds like it's heavy on the marketing, right? So what would you say, what's the, what's the breakdown of the engineers and, um, you know, in marketing and things like that. So we've got um, the product and engineering team, I think is nine right now. The marketing team is five, the uh, or six, the okay. uh, customer success team is eight. The, okay. we, we have uh, one inbound sales rep, but we're not, we don't have any outbound sales right now. Uh, and then we've got uh, people operations and uh, finance person and uh, me, a chief of staff. So it's, it's, but, but the, the big departments are, engineering and marketing and customer success customer success yeah yeah. um that's great um how about um is there anything anything you can tell uh, our listeners uh about important things on on systems and processes what are some of the action items they can do and uh you know get started on that 
Yeah, sure. So when you think about systems and processes, it's such a cliche. Like, you know, you, you, you hear that so often, like, I want to work on my systems and processes. And I always tell people it's the reverse. Work on your process and then you build, you, you pick the right system to speed up your process. It's like the, the analogy I use is think about how they make highways. You know, it, 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 highway is a system for a lot of traffic that, that goes. But before there was that much traffic, before there was a need for the highway, maybe it was just a, a regular road. Maybe there were side streets. Maybe there was a path through the woods or whatever it was. Like you, you have to first work on your process on how you do things. And then as you get consistent, around how you do things, that's when you introduce just the, the systems. And systems could be the tools that make doing things easier, or the systems could be something like Trainual that makes training how to do the things easier. It just depends on where you are in scaling. So um, if, you're, if you're just getting started, I think that the, the, the best thing you can do is just to figure out in your company who does what and start to organize roles, responsibilities, um, you know, make basic org charts, make a list of the, the you know, spreadsheet that where everybody lists out the tasks that they do every day and every week. Um, and at least then you start to see where the concentration of activity in your business is. Yeah. And that tells you where to invest in systems. So it's kind of like an e-myth, basically. The first thing that sounds like, the, is that sort of the playbook that you're still going by is a lot of the, the e-myths? org chart and breaking down that yeah for sure michael gerber is a good friend he's an advisor for us so okay good i I, sounded like you had a lot of gerber influences there Um, yeah because of course you see how much um would you attribute your own success to using your you know these systems that you built up Oh, completely. I think the the systems are everything. I mean, at first, yeah. it, the e-myth was like the first thing I yeah. read in high school, you know, and then the, the, uh, I was in, uh, e- I'm, I'm still in EO, uh, an entrepreneur organization. They have okay. a lot of content from gazelles, which is Vern Harnish and the scaling up program. Um, those systems have been phenomenal. The EOS and traction, uh, stuff that's come out over the last few years is, is yeah. incredible. So I think, I think those, you know, the, all these systems and frameworks help you uh, get some clarity on just the, yeah. the, the chaos of being yeah, an entrepreneur yeah, yeah. so you can put yeah. things into buckets, you know? So like how much in your day is, is, are, is, was it more, is that more front end for you, like building the systems or are you still doing and refining that every day? Are you like the chief systems guy now? Um, not as much now. Now it, it's, it's, you it's know, we, we've got running, but it's tweaking. Is that what it is? Or sort of adjusting to, well, um, it's kind of like I, my, my role initially was creating a lot of the systems, but now I'm more managing the, the people that are creating the systems. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working to refine the vision and recognize the need of where the department needs to go and, and be kind of an outside perspective on each of the departments. And then the head of every department, then works with their team on the systems. Okay, excellent. Uh, Chris, we're getting to the top of the hour here on our show. I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I understand you might have a, uh, a, a bonus for any of our listeners that might want to come and check out Train Yule. I'm going to be one of them for sure. Is it still starting at uh, $49 or what's the, what's the bottom price now? It's it's 99 now, but okay. it's, it's a, it's four times as good. So <laughs> <laughs> good. But, but uh, but yeah, anybody that wants to check it out, just go to trainual.com. That's trainual.com. Yeah, we'll and when you're, when you're signing this. up, and when you're signing up, you can use the code BIGBREAK and you'll get your first month free.
Okay, cool. So they'd be looking at uh, 45 days of free use then. So that's more than enough to, to get a feel for it. It's the, the it's a seven day trial now and then and then uh, thirty days but yes a thirty thirty seven day free use excellent I like it uh, Chris thanks again so much for your time and uh, we look forward to following your progress thanks Jordy. thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host Jordy Wardman be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner.